Apostle and Prophet Ministry with Pastor Ron Boyd coming to you from Dunbar Township. Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Brother Ronnie Boyd coming to you again today with the Apostle and Prophet Ministry. And right after this song from Chalmette Brass, we're going to hear a song from Sonny Poling. And he's going to be singing about a new road that God put his feet upon. And then we're going into the Word of God and share some good and precious things from the Word of God with you. So stay tuned. We've got some good things coming up today. I 
right out There seemed no way I'd ever find my way to God Then the tender hand of Jesus touched me That one touch gave me strength and hope anew. Now all my days are filled with praising His name. For a new robe He set my feet upon. can rely on him his word is tried and true there's no need to ever be defeated when victory for you is here to claim And the tender hand of Jesus touched me. That one touch gave me strength and hope anew. Now all my days are filled with praising Him. Yes, a new road, he set my feet upon. If you have your Bibles, turn with me tonight to the fourth chapter of the Epistle of John. Now, I want to talk tonight about the power of love, because it was love that found a way that I might be saved tonight. It was love that found the way for you. And that's what we want to talk about. The Bible said in the fourth chapter of John, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are going out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. There's a lesson here to be learned. There's many times this scripture is read, repeated. I don't know if it's understood or not. But we believe and we understand by the authority of the Word of God that whenever an individual comes into the church, you have to be, you can't join a church, you have to be born into the church. You have to be born again according to the words of Jesus Christ that he spoke to Nicodemus. And he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again 
of the water and of the spirit. He said, if you're not, you cannot see, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So therefore, it is necessary for an individual to be born again. Now, what takes place when we're born again? What, what actually happens? Well, the first thing is we know that we must repent. We've got Bible for that. We cannot deny that. You have to believe on him that you're repenting to. In other words, if you didn't believe that there is a God, uh, don't go no further. The Bible said you must first believe that there is a God. Then you must believe that he, that God that you believe in, is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, if you don't have that kind of faith, don't go no further because you're wasting your time. But then, after you believe that there is a God, that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, then it is your responsibility to diligently seek that God that you believe in. And since there's only one true and living God, everything else is false, then we all have to seek after the same one. And so when you begin to diligently seek Him, then you begin to learn of Him. You begin to understand Him. Jesus said in the fifth chapter of John in verse 39, He said that uh, we should search the Scriptures, for in them you think that you have eternal life. They are they which testify of me, Jesus said. So that's what will go then to the Word of God and begin to search the Word of God and begin to learn about Jesus. The power of love. The Bible said in John 3.16, we hear it quoted so much, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we see the power of love then manifested by God. And there was a prophet in the Old Testament, his name was Isaiah, and Isaiah got... An understanding, as I was saying the other night, of God more than most preachers have today. Isaiah seen this event coming, the birth of Christ, the offering up of Christ for our sin. And Isaiah said it like this. He said, unto us a child is born, a son is given. Not only was that child born there in Bethlehem, but there was a day that God was going to give that son a propitiation for our sins. He was going to take our place at Calvary. And Isaiah seen it coming, and that's the way he spoke it. And he said his name would be called Wonderful. And many times I try to elaborate on that to let people understand what he was saying there. That actually means his name is full of wonder. Full of wonder. Not just we don't think like the world uses, oh, that's wonderful. Or they might say, that's nice. Well, he's nice. But I want you to know his name is full of wonderful, one, uh, full of wonder. So Isaiah said his name is Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. Don't look for another. We found him. The Mighty God. Then he said something else. He's the Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. That made him Father and Son. Whenever he said that he was Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Let us know also that the government would be upon his shoulders He's the one that's in authority. And you can't call him Lord until he becomes the authority in your life. The Bible said over in Corinthians that uh, no man speaking by the Spirit 
calleth Jesus the curse, and no man can say that he is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Look how necessary it is for you to receive the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Now, some people say, well, you really don't need it. All you need to do, you don't, I, I heard a man, he was uh, supposed to be uh, recognized as a great authority on the Word of God, and he was asked a question in a meeting, and the question was directed to him. He said, is it necessary to be born again? And he began to squirm a little bit. They said, well, is it necessary? He said, no. There's people in heaven right now that was never born again. Then Jesus lied to Nicodemus because Jesus told him, you must be. I'd rather take the word of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and let God be true and every man a liar. All right, we read here that you have to confess that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, and if you don't, you're not of God. And why well, I've heard different uh, preachers speak on this and explain it different ways, but here's what we need to understand and need to know, that in the church, after that you have repented and you have been baptized in water, because you have to be born of the water, and after you've been baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, according to what Peter said in Acts 2.38 and what Jesus uh, referred to whenever he said repentance and remission of sins shall be preached in my name, beginning at Jerusalem. He said that over in the 24th chapter of Luke. And then in Mark he said, He that believeth, he must believe that there is a God, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Alright, so we got to believe that. So we get, we repent to Jesus, and we've already believed that there is a God, that He is that God, and uh, that uh, He will reward us for coming to Him and repenting. So we repent, we get baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, and Peter said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we know what happened when the Holy Ghost came. They spake with other tongues and magnified God. They spake with tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. We have Bible for that. So, when they got the Holy Ghost, here's what actually happened. Now, Jesus, who had went away uh, several days before that, was received up into glory. He had made a statement before he left. He said, if I don't go away, the Comforter can't come. He also made a statement that I'm with you right now. He told his disciples, but he said, I shall be in you. And one day, when the Holy Ghost fell from heaven, and in the upper room they heard that sound, and they seen those twelve tongues like as a fire, it sat upon each of them. The Bible said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. What took place there? Jesus Christ came in the flesh. He came in the flesh. And a lot of people don't quite understand this little verse of Scripture. But um, that's what happened. He came in the flesh. I'd like to go over to 1 Corinthians, um, 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, the 5th chapter. And I want to read something beginning at verse 15. And it says here, well, verse 14. Let's go to 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. 
because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. In other words, if he represented everybody, God so loved the world, all right, he gave his only begotten son, that meant that he went to Calvary. And so, therefore, if he died for you and I, he died, so then the whole world died with him, so that we could live with him, all right? Now, we watch this. He said, everybody died, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. As long as we stay in sin, we are dead, according to the Bible, in trespasses and sins. But whenever that we receive him, we believe on him, and we obey him, and we diligently seek him, according to the word of God, then we repent, we go get baptized, we get filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. All right. Then we come alive in Jesus. So then from that time on, we should not live our life unto ourselves. And uh, from that time on, we belong to Him. We live because of Him. And up until that time, you was dead. Or you might have been walking around, but you was actually dead in trespasses and sins. You didn't have no eternal life abiding in you. But after that you have obeyed the gospel and you received the Holy Ghost, all right, then He comes and lives in you. He comes and lives in you. That's what I want you to say. And so then, who is that He? Some say, well, it's the Holy Ghost. It's the third person of the Trinity. Well, we don't preach no one, two, three persons in the Trinity. We preach the one true and living God who was Father in creation, Son in redemption, and Holy Ghost in regeneration. So we only preach one God and uh, not no triune God. And uh, uh, every prophet, every apostle, uh, everyone in the Word of God uh, taught that, just one God. And they spoke of the Father. Jesus spoke of the Father. But he also said things like this. He that hath seen me has seen the Father. And uh, he also said that uh, the Father had sent him, but he said in a sense that he sent himself. He said, he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. So what's he saying? He sent himself. And there's just so many scriptures, I don't have time to deal with all them, that lets us know that they're just one true and the living God. Now, here's one that you might think about. If the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost was three different uh, uh, individuals, three different persons in the Godhead, then we have a complicated gospel here, I'll tell you that. Because the Bible said that what was conceived in Mary was conceived by the Holy Ghost. Therefore, that would make the Holy Ghost the Father of Jesus Christ. Well then, how does that work? You got the Father, you got the Son, and then you got the Holy Ghost over here. Three different persons. There is no three different persons. The same Spirit that overshadowed Mary was the Father, and He was the Holy Ghost, because the Bible clears that up and, and testifies to that. So I thank God for that understanding.
So we get back to this scripture then, we understand it a little differently than what maybe a lot out there in the world would uh, like to uh, think that it means. He said, uh, over here in John again, let's go back there. He said, hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Now I'd like to go over to the sixth chapter of Second uh, Corinthians just for a moment and read something from there. I want to keep that in your mind, though, that every spirit that confesses. And what is he confessing? All right, we find here in the sixth chapter of Second Corinthians, the writer said, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. There is a separation between light and darkness. God did that clear back in the book of Genesis. He separated the light from the darkness. And so we find here that uh, the living and the dead are two different groups of people. And here he said, uh, what? He's asking the question. He wants to know. He said, uh, uh, there's got to be a difference here. He said, what? Concord had Christ with Belial. That means lawlessness. Lawlessness. And uh, he said, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Can't, you can't get along. You can't. The Bible said, how can two walk together except they be agreed? All right. He said, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Now, the Bible again tells us what the temple of God is. Remember what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Ye are the temple. Your body is the temple for the Holy Ghost to dwell in. And what part or what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said. Now watch this. God said, I, that's God, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God. And they shall be my people. Let's go back over again to the fourth chapter of 1 John. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit, reading from the fourth chapter, verse 2. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. When we begin to recognize then what Peter spoke there on the day of Pentecost that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That means that God himself is going to come and take up his abode in you and live in your vessel. Now, I said all that because I want you to understand the rest of this as we go on. Then he went on and said, Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, even now already is in the world. How many preachers do we hear across the land telling people, you don't, you don't need the Holy Ghost? Not here. Uh, that which happened on the day of Pentecost, that's not for us. That was just for those Jews back there. And yet Peter spoke that day, said, this promise is unto you. He's talking to the Jews. He's talking to that people. And to your children, to the children of those Jewish people. But he went on to say, he said, and to them that are afar off. We go over to Ephesians, the Apostle Paul. 
makes it pretty plain in the second chapter of Ephesians that the Gentiles are the far-off people. So then Peter said what was happening there on the day of Pentecost was for us Gentiles. Well, he went on and he said not, he didn't stop there. He said, uh, then there are far-off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And I'll tell you this today, you're not coming to him until he calls you. The Bible says this over in Revelation, the 22nd chapter. The Spirit says, come. What's, the, what's what we have to have here to come to God? The Spirit says, come. Got to have that. If the Spirit don't say, come, you can go out and invite people all day. They're not going to come. But the Spirit begins to deal with their heart. The Spirit says, come. The bride. Now, that's our part, church. The bride says, come. We have to go out and invite people. Then the Bible says something else. Let him that is the first come. They have to have, uh, begin to get thirsty. They have to want God. They have to want. That is created when the Spirit begins to draw on. Let him that is the first come. Then he went on and said what we hear quoted all the time, but they don't quote the rest of it. He went on and said, uh, whosoever will, let him come. So, now, out there among the people, First of all, they have to feel the drawing power of God. The Spirit has to draw them. They have to be witnessed to. Somebody has to tell them, invite them. Then after that, they get a hunger in their heart. They begin to get thirsty for the things of God. After all, you told them of the goodness of God. And the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Alright? Now, they've got that much. And they come. And then they begin to seek, then they begin to obey. So, now, every spirit that will confess something else, that's, that's, that's bad shape. They're going to be in bad shape. And he went on, he said, You're of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, where's that greatness at? I told the lady today, out there in that office when I went to pray for her. I told her, she said something about, we. I have heard of the power that you have. I said, ma'am, it's not my power. She, I said, let me explain something. I quoted that verse of scripture out of Ephesians 4 and 30, I believe, or 3 and, 3 and 20. I said there, Bible said that God can do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or even think today. I told her, I said, according to the power that worketh in us. I said, that's God's power. Well, that's what it's talking about here. You're of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you. Who's in here? Jesus Christ is in here. Jesus Christ is in each vessel than he that is in the world. Time is going again today, so tune in next week, same time, same station for the Apostle and Prophet Ministry, and at this time we're going to have a song from Brother John and Friends singing to God be the glory.
listening to the Apostle and Prophet Ministry with Pastor Ron Boyd, inviting you to join him again next Sunday at this same time here on WMBS.